Coming up in this episode. If you are able to at least take progress pictures, is why I think taking pictures is way better than using the scale. You know, you might be at the same weight or only a couple pounds less, but those progress pictures are going to tell you a complete different story. And I think that using the mirror is the best tool that you're going to going to use. And I know if I put in the work to diet properly and went to the gym, whether it's three times a week or six times a week, I know if I put in the effort and was consciously choosing my foods and I can be happy with that. If I sat there and ate donuts all week and sat on my couch and watched Netflix, then I know I didn't do anything. And then I can't be disappointed that nothing happened with my progress. So, Welcome to the HVMN podcast. What we do with our bodies today becomes the foundation of who we are tomorrow. This is Health via Modern Nutrition. Hey, this is your host of the HVMN podcast, Jeff Wu. And I'm really excited to welcome Crystal to our program. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So... There's a lot of different interesting keto-related topics to dive into. I think with we were just talking about a little about the new Game Changers movie that talked about vegan performance, as well as a lot of the discussion between carnivore and vegan. And then I know a lot on the fitness side, that's something that Crystal is big into. So before we dive into specific areas of types of a ketogenic diet and different types of fitness routines that one could structure around a ketogenic diet, I think it probably makes sense to start with how you came into the ketogenic diet, obviously, uh, within the last three, four years, I think would really exploded. But curious to hear where you began and, and what was your journey into the keto diet? Probably about four years ago is when I started getting into it. But it, there's a lot of events that led up to this. Now, I am currently 31 years old now, but at 25 years old, uh, you know, I used to be the high school athlete. I was always fit. I could eat, you know, 30 packs of Skittles. It didn't matter. My body was just able to metabolize it and I was perfectly fine. But going into my early 20s, I started being a full-time student. I was working two to three jobs. I had a lot of stressful relationships. Food quality completely went down. So I instantly gained weight. And then my mother also noticed just changes in my behavior. I was very sensitive. I was very frustrated all the time. I would be getting up and then going right back to bed. I was extremely tired. I was extremely fatigued. And that was one of her biggest concerns. So she noticed just large differences in my complete personality. Um, and even though, you know, I wasn't extremely overweight, the weight started piling on. So my body wasn't responding the way that it used to. So I ended up going to a doctor who did some blood work with me. And he told me that my blood work looked completely awful. My hormones were everywhere. I looked like a, you know, 56-year-old woman going through menopause. It was to the point where it was affecting my reproductive organs and I at that point they even said I was unfertile. I couldn't have kids at 25 years old. That's how bad my estrogen was. So So estrogen was very low and in terms of other blood work, we are fasting glucose, insulin. I, I'm just, if you just can nerd out here, like in terms of being all over the place, what were some of the highlights or I guess lowlights here that were so out of whack? I think I just was more so, so torn about all the information that he was giving me. I know he gave me the numbers. I didn't even look at them. I just, I just left crying. Um, so I don't exactly know what those numbers were off the top of my head right now, being that that was six years ago. Um, but I just know that he said my iron was dangerously high. I needed to start giving blood to just start reproducing new blood and to also just completely change my diet. And that's where the diet started changing. But when it came to the numbers, I just know that he said I needed to start making a change for my food with my food. Otherwise, I was going to be in a lot of trouble. Got it. So it sounded like I think a lot of Americans, a lot of us just in normal society today, we kind of just passively eat what's in front of us. And it sounded like that was kind of your case where 
when you're an adolescent, just like growing high school student, you can just kind of process anything. And then you hit a wall. And this is kind of like an early quarter-life crisis block, right? Like this is early 20s. You're not like a 50-year-old woman. This is early 20s. You sort of hit a wall. Um, so going from there, curious to hear uh, the journey from being like, wow, my, my health is in jeopardy to gravitating towards the keto diet. So his first concern was, was to start balancing out my hormones. So he started suggesting the leafy greens to cut out the grains. He wasn't suggesting the keto diet but he was at least getting me in that direction. And, I, and when he told me that like no rice, I was like, you're crazy. I'm an Islander. Like, this is my culture. Uh, I will implement some of the things, you know, being 25, I'm like, I can do this. My body will bounce back. Just again, you know, playing the youth card. So I started somewhat transitioning into more of the greens, less of the basic bodybuilding chicken and rice and taking some of his suggestions. And I did start to notice some differences with how I feel. I mean, it was to the point where when I saw him, memory loss was a really big thing for me. Like I remember wanting to text my my personal trainer and I couldn't even remember his name. And I've been working with him for over a year. I'm like, this is awful. Something's really wrong. So uh, again, that he, he said that was something with my iron count being so high. So just trying to, again, uh, reset my, my hormones and get me back on the right track through diet. My goal was to not go back or not go on to medicine. I did not want to go on medicine. I feel like if you go on medicine, then pretty much you're always on medicine. At least that's what I hear from, from most people. So I really wanted to check it through diet. That was our first strategy. So implementing, instead of doing, you know, the refined sugars, he would let me do sweet potatoes or yams, for example. Uh, we cut out the rice, we would do more of the proteins and the vegetables. And I did that for a while until I felt better. And then I started slowly going back to my old ways, not as bad. I still had those healthy improvements. Improvements. Uh, but occasionally doing the rice and going back to, all right, I want to get really fit. I have lost at that point, I think I've lost about 15 of the 30 total pounds that I've, I've lost up to today. Uh, and I, I kind of wanted to start getting back into weightlifting, getting back into being an athlete as I was in high school and getting back to the gym. So I started incorporating more of the, the bodybuilding diet. Again, going back to the lean meats, the somewhat the rice, keeping the vegetables, everything was very low fat higher carb. Uh, and I felt good, but I didn't feel great. I was able to, yes, lift a lot of weights in the gym. I was able to grow some muscle, but physically, again, I was just always fatigued. And it, it, so there was some improvements and that's what I was looking for. But again, when you don't understand how great you can feel, you're kind of just like, okay, I saw a couple good things here. We're on the right track and we'll keep moving with it. So I did that for about a year and I ended up going to a dietitian because I wanted to do like my own little cut. I wanted to understand the bodybuilding world. I know at that point that I had no idea how food really played into the body and how it, how it did affect your hormones and um, your performance levels. So going to a nutrition or nutritionist, I thought that he would be able to at least teach me. I was kind of looking at it as like a learning process and uh, he told me that he really wanted me to do a show because I already physically built the muscle, which which was great. It was just dialing in the diet. So he ended up putting me on the keto diet. And I've never heard of it. And I think this is the best way going into it because when people put a label on it, then they start thinking like the good, the bad, the positive. I'm like, all right, he was putting me on the keto diet. I'm just going to be his little warrior and listen to him and 
do whatever he says. So I didn't have any bias towards it. Yeah, I'm actually just curious. You know, you were, what, what sport did you do in high school and how did you gravitate towards bodybuilding? Obviously, it's a pretty idiosyncratic sport, right? Even though I'm only five foot four and a half on a really good day, <laughs> um, I, I was always really small, only about 117 pounds in high school. But I had a lot of power behind me. Just as a kid, I had a lot of emotional issues growing up. I'm adopted and sports end up becoming a place where I can recycle a lot of that energy. So it was in the weight room. Even in high school, my coach team, my coach had me working out with the boys because I was able to lift much more than the girls. I was able to just zone in and like use that anger and just put it towards something positive. So physically, I was able to put in the work. I've never had a problem with that. And when it came to bodybuilding, you know, when you're like 21, 22, 23 years old, a little older, you know, I'm not running track and field anymore. So what can I put that energy into? And the gym was one of the, you know, that's something I can go to every day. And some friends go to that. And I also had a sister that was in bodybuilding at the time. She was doing bikini. So I got to kind of see her make the own changes with her body. And I really admired the work she put in. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to try weightlifting. And it's it's just something that made me feel good. Again, recycle that energy. It exhausted me. It allowed me to get better sleep at night because I got rid of all that energy. So uh, that's kind of how I ended up going into weightlifting. Got it. So as you're comparing for your or preparing for your first competition, the nutrition was like, hey, try this diet that was kind of without all the baggage around any specific label. And yeah, let's uh, curious to hear about that first response, right? Because I think going from essentially the opposite of the food pyramid must have been uh, counterintuitive to say the least. It was a very awful experience. Uh, there was no preparation on his side about this is what you may experience or this is how we're going to battle it. It was just, here's your diet plan. We're switching it up uh, and we'll check in in a week. I have never felt more sick in my life. I thought I was going to die. My manager that I worked with asked me if I wanted to go to the hospital because I was in bed for two days. So I just I just thought I was sick. I had no idea what the keto flu was or how to even combat that. So I was doing nothing. I wasn't adding the additional salts. I wasn't drinking bone broth or electrolytes. I was just trying to go through this process thinking that I was just ill. So that's one of the big reasons why I'm so passionate about teaching keto now is because I think people just need to be more informed <laughs> from my own personal experience of just thinking I was dying. It was awful. That's really, really resonant with sort of, I think, a lot of people's personal experiences. I think that it's a pretty drastic shift in diet. And I think the keto flu or like keto adaptation, yeah, people get scared off really quickly. If, if you don't understand, that's pretty normal. So what did you shift from eating? So it sounded like you had a lot of lean meats, kind of the typical low-fat bodybuilder diets. And, and what was that first week like? I believe he gave me whole eggs, spinach, some avocado, and steak and like another salad, maybe some vegetables. It was, ve- it was very – he already had me on a very low-calorie diet. Um, but currently right now, I'm eating anywhere between 1,800 to 2,000, and I maintain a very lean physique. He had me at that point – I think already between 14 and 1600 calories. So already being in a huge calorie deficit and going into that transition, my body was just fought it every second of the day. So um, I ended up reaching out to him for my check-in and just saying, this was awful. I don't know what happened. 
And he was just like, oh, it's just, it's just a part of the process. And it's like, you know, now that, now that I have been through this over and over, it's like, I really wish someone would have taken the time to just explain things and educate me a little bit more so that I wouldn't have had to experience that as dramatically as I did. Yeah. Our listeners either have experienced some sort of keto adaptation through the keto diet or long extended fasting. But I think probably a lot of the listeners are just like trying to understand and maybe want to do this. So walk us through that first week. So it's kind of like you're shifting primarily to a fat driven metabolism and your body missed that available glucose. And it sounds like you just low energy throughout that week of transition. So I think you mentioned a couple tips, which is electrolytes, make sure you're hydrating. Can you walk us through that like transition phase where you were dying or like thought you were dying to feeling much better. Can you walk us through that, that transition phase? How long did it take? What things did you start incorporating to help you get through that keto adaptation? So once I realized that the keto diet specifically, um, just completely changes everything on a cellular level. Um, and I started asking my dietitian more about it. I decided to start researching on my own. Like, okay, if I'm going to do something, especially when it comes to my body, I should know why I'm doing it. So I started doing a little bit more research about what the keto diet was. And I came across the keto flu symptoms. So the first thing I did was go over to my grocery store and start buying Propel waters. I started buying bone broth and I was just taking those everywhere with me. And anything that I could do, making sure that my fats were coming from some of the best sources, no vegetable oils, which making sure it was butter, which is what he gave me on my plan, or at least grass-fed butter, um, and just some light exercise. You know, normally I'm going into the gym and hitting as hard as possible, but during that transition, that was working against me. I just needed to be able to drain the the fuel in my car without really just burning everything out. So taking taking it to light to moderate exercises, if you feel good on those days, then go ahead with it. But just really staying ahead of the game, adding that sea salt, real sea salt was really particularly um, big for me. My doctor recommended a gray sea salt. So just making sure like you got the salt, the leafy greens. Uh, I like to add a lot of avocado. And uh, again, those electrolytes, staying hydrated is really important. And as soon as I start incorporating those, uh, within a handful of days, not even, I, I felt much better. <laughs> I'm just like remembering when I started similar time frame, almost about four years ago now, experiment with the ketogenic diet. I think one of the challenges is that it's hard to get enough calories if you're not counting calories, right? It sounds like you were calorically restricted as well as dietary restricted, which is like very hard to do all together at once. But I think most people aren't used to eating that much fat. Where like you have to really be adding butter, which is very counterintuitive, or adding like eating like a, a number of avocados. So I think when people make a mistake, I think I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I think some of the top mistakes are it's like don't eat enough because you're just like not used to eating that much avocados or that much steak all at once. I think the electrolytes is a big thing because I think one of the interesting parts of the physiology, as you reduce insulin, your body starts excreting out more and more, more sodium potassium. So the idea is that you want to be supplementing and make sure you ingest enough potassium and sodium to make sure your electrolytes are in balance. So you're actually hydrating. So those two seem like pretty good top tips. Anything else that you've seen across your clients and or your personal experience that seem to be top issues when they start transitioning? So when it comes to any anyone that wants to transition, I think that if you're going to do something, one, do it right, but also allowing your body to adjust can only benefit you. Um, you know, jumping right into the deep end of the pool without knowing how to swim might not always be the smartest way to do it. So even with my clients, I usually give them a week period of 
you know, start slowly cutting out the foods that you are more refined, those carbohydrates, your, your sodas, and let's start transitioning to more of an keto approved food list. So we give you that little week time frame to one, to start mentally preparing, physically preparing before we go straight into the keto diet. And when it comes to fats, I think a lot of people do find it difficult. Like where do I get fats? And I think the easiest way is again, yes, like the butters, the coconut oils, avocado oils. I always tell them to to add a little bit or cook with it. And who doesn't love like a ribeye cooked in butter? It's like the best thing ever. Um, as well as nuts. I think nuts are just a great source. So there's like little little ways to add those fats in. But again, I think that if you're gonna transition and make any big change like that, do it with time. And I think that your body will thank you for it. I remember explicitly when I was Googling ketosis for the first time this is like you know four or five years ago at this point the first result was ketoacidosis which is basically a, a disease state when your blood acid gets so high because you're type 1 diabetic and you're producing so many ketones that your blood gets acidic so i'm mean, curious to hear about your experience like there just wasn't that much literature out there four or five years ago like this was definitely much more of a wild west experimental phase mm-hmm. i did not come across that thank god because i'm that person that would probably have read it and be like this is me so um i did just i just came across some basic information about what you experience in the keto flu and thankfully it was i will say even today like it was just very clean basic information that steered me in the right direction because there's so much information out there today that I think it's very intimidating. You know, everyone is on the keto diet or a part of the keto diet now or is trending with the diet. And it's, I think that we're making it way more overcomplicated. And even with my clients, they're like, uh, when they're going through some of the keto symptoms, they even ask me, is this ketoacidosis? And I'm like, that, that does not really, it's not part of what we're going through, but I can explain that a little further as you did. And I'm thankful maybe there wasn't too much information at that point out there. No, but I think you're hitting on one of the things that people, I think, underestimate, which is that you need to really experiment with yourself, right? Like your biochemistry is going to be a little bit different from mine and different from all our listeners out there. It just... You know, our DNA, your epigenetics, your environment, your, what your goals are, are just all just kind of different, right? Like we have different baselines with different goals. And you might want to be tweaking your different inputs like your food, like your exercise protocols, like your sleep to maximize the goal that you're trying to look for. Um, so I think it is important, as you say, to make sure you give yourself a little bit of wiggle room and experimentation time. And I think might, some people might just treat it like too much of a of a science where yes the science is getting there but the science is not n equals one specific to you and i think that's where i think coaches that are well educated that understand that science as is can really help assist someone going through that transition the one thing about society today uh we are so hooked on numbers now unless it's coming like the numbers are coming from a doctor who understands your diet and your goals and things like that that's a little different but there's people that like have to weigh themselves every day and, you know, they want to know exactly what every single meal should be down to the gram. And I'm like, this is not what food is. This is not how you feel yourself. Um, and I understand, you know, somewhat the caloric intake and, you know, some calories and cuts calories out, but it's all about worrying about the quality versus the quantity. And it's kind of like resetting our minds because we've been all about this, you know, if I eat a hundred calories less or even a little less than that, like that, that's not how it is. If you want to be able to perform based on your, your environment, if you're sick, if you're stressed, you know, your body's going to need way more nutrients. Uh, if you're working out hard in the gym, like you need to be able to give yourself 
the nutrients that it needs to, to carry out those tasks. And, you know, starving yourself is not the way to do it. So even coming from, you know, wanting to do my first show and being in a caloric deficit and making those changes, like that's not what my body needed. I think I took a lot of great learning tips from it. And I actually stopped working towards a show and just said on the keto diet, I feel so good. Why would I continue putting myself into a deficit, which can be harmful, especially for a female to be that low in fat and and whatnot. I already had hormone imbalances. I go, why would I want to continue to do that to myself? If I feel this good and this healthy, this is the ultimate goal. So that's where keto for me took off. And I just went running out the door with where can I learn more information about this diet? Because I, it, it completely changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I mean, you had the bodybuilding competition as initial catalyst. It definitely took off where your Instagram handle is literally has the, is the keyword keto in it. So like what were some of those big, I guess, literally life changing realizations as you got keto adapted? And then two, what are some of the, I guess, like popular misconceptions that I think one of the common questions is, as you're referencing, like hormonal differences between men and women. And if you are potentially too lean on, on body fat, does that affect your hormonal state? Uh, could you hit on those two, those two topics? Well, for, for women, you know, we are, we are meant to have some body fat. That's just how we are. That's what we have. We have our estrogen. It's going to encourage fat storage rather than fat loss. You know, for men, I've done work with clients as couples, and it's amazing how quick the male drops the weight and the females just slowly stalling. And, you know, maybe a couple pounds here or there might feel the same. So for men and women, it can completely be different with how they respond. I also think that, you know, as, as a female, being estrogen dominant, there's a lot more issues that I really needed to manage. So I think that when I started seeing that one, my focus came back, my memory came back. I wasn't having like these memory lapses where I couldn't remember names and things that I needed to do. I wasn't as forgetful. Um, but the energy levels for me were the biggest thing. The fact that I didn't have to nap every single day and I didn't feel exhausted was huge because as soon as those energy levels went up, I was able to accomplish way more at work. I was able to accomplish more in the gym and I was able to actually focus on things outside in my life that needed to get done. So my overall quality of life completely improved. And that's something that, you know, is completely priceless because for me to be able to go out and do things and one, be happy and confident and feel good about myself, like those are the biggest rewards. And that's what I try to teach people that I work with, you know, is the scale is one of the worst tools <laughs> that we've created uh, because it's just an overall sum of a total body mass, you know, your fluids, your bones, your density, your, the muscle, the tissues, where, you know, we keep allowing these numbers to define us. So if you are able to at least take progress pictures this is why I think taking pictures is way better than using the scale. You know, you might be at the same weight or only a couple pounds less, but those progress pictures are going to tell you a complete different story. And I think that using the mirror is the best tool that you're going to use. And I know if I put in the work to diet properly and went to the gym, whether it's three times a week or six times a week, I know if I put in the effort and was consciously choosing my foods and I can be happy with that. If I sat there and ate donuts all week and sat on my couch and watched Netflix, then I know I didn't do anything. And then I can't be disappointed that nothing happened with my progress. So um, I think that, you know, it, it's coming down to more of a psychological challenge for a lot of us to 
really stop putting a number as a label for our health and start realizing that there's so much more. I know weight loss is the big goal, but I think that's just a bonus compared to everything else that kind of goes on with with keto. I love that perspective. I want to dive into it a little bit more because I think folks that know my background, I'm a computer scientist and engineer by background. And I think that field is very quantitative. And I think that was my initial approach coming into performance, right? I think the thing that a lot of engineers say is that if you can't measure it, how can you optimize for it? But I think what you're touching upon is the intuition of how the body performs holistically, where I think the metrics around just like an arbitrary snapshot on weight or an arbitrary blood draw is a very small measure of overall performance. Like it is a nice tool to use. And I think you would agree upon this, but it's not everything. Because I think you just can't quantify that clearly. Okay, how does my overall energy feel like? Am I happy today versus yesterday? And I think that's, I think when people can over-engineer a solution where they get so obsessed with just chasing numbers. And I, I think I've seen this with some of the more engineering biohackers that are, you know, friends or, or friendly where they're like very, very dialed in with their numbers, but they just like don't even look that healthy. And it's like, you might have like the best quantitative results, but like you're don't seem very fit and it doesn't seem like you're actually that, you know, healthy. And I think that's where you might miss the forest for the trees. So I think my perspective is that, yes, use numbers as a way to orient to make sure that you're not completely going off the reservation, but the end goal is overall fitness and health. And that's like very hard to quantify or you need to understand what these numbers mean. And I think weight loss is like a reasonable marker or like a fasted blood sugar or keto numbers are reasonable numbers to help orient you. And I'm curious to hear your experience if you test those things, but it's not the end all be all. I'm curious to hear your feedback from that perspective. But before you answer that question, let's take a quick break. Hey there, I'm Hugo. And this is my new friend, MCT oil powder from HVMN, the experts on everything keto. They came up with the most ketogenic powder on earth. You ask, why is it so special? Well, this is loaded with pure C8, the most ketogenic form of MCT, and it's just so damn delicious. I've learned to let go of the numbers, and I think that takes a lot of time. And that also takes um, building that confidence in yourself and what you're doing and your own process and your routines. So, you know, being four or five years into keto now, or I'm sorry, four or five years in my weight loss journey, but at least three years of keto I've just, I've seen my results. I see how I feel. And that's why I've been able to let that go. And even with being in the bodybuilding world here in Venice, California, where I work out, I get to train among some of the the greatest athletes. And these are like the physiques that I was like, this is what healthy looks like. Now that's a different perspective um, because everything's so controlled, but there I've, I've been able to meet some of these girls and hear these stories where they are in such a caloric deficit. Uh, and they're doing all this cardio and this training. By the time they're done with this, their thyroids are shot. Their bodies are shot. Their hormones are off. It's like, to me, why are you doing this to yourself? But that's what the bodybuilding world is. So I know a lot of people that look physically healthy. They're lean. They've got muscle. But on the inside, they're a complete disaster. So it's almost like counterintuitive. Like, okay, you're doing all these things to look great. And you're hitting all your numbers, your scale looks great, physically you're lean, but you are just destroying yourself. And uh, that's where I'm kind of, I've kind of been able to see the best of both worlds where like I've seen the improvements, I've been able to maintain this lean physique, I've got, I've been able to build body or muscle mass, but I don't have to take it to that extreme where I'm destroying my thyroid and hormones and go beyond what's necessary. So again, I think it's just 
finding that good place that I'm happy with. I'm happy with my body. I'm happy with my performance. Um, again, like it's like nutrition keeps changing. Like the keto diet's now new. What else is going to be new? It wasn't new five years ago or 10 years ago. That was really popular. So, um, you gotta, you have to be able to experiment and even if it's not true keto, but at least going in that direction and finding foods that work with your body, work with your hormones. Um, it's about feeling good. So finding that balance, even if that means having a cup of rice every once in a while, or maybe you really like your potatoes, I'm all for that. You don't have to go completely the extreme of ketosis, but being able to at least just eat a healthier diet so that you can live a better quality of life, I think is just, again, the ultimate goal. Yeah. No, I think you bring up a, a couple of good points there, which is that when you work with Olympic or top tier athletes, I think that's where you see a bifurcation or a difference between maximizing health span and happiness versus like performance, right? It sounds like a lot of these women that are the elite bodybuilders, like you, you hear just terrible stories where, you know, folks are infertile, like their hormones and thyroids are so jacked up. And like even three, four years after their performance period, their periods haven't come back. And it's like, man, that sucks. And it's, I guess it's not for us to judge or anyone to judge that that was what they want to do with their life. And I think that goes back to the point where all of us might have different goals. And if your goal isn't necessarily to be the number one most lean bodybuilding person in the world, then you probably don't want to be that extreme on the calorie counting and, and the diet. Absolutely. And I know that, you know, for those women or men who are doing that to their bodies, it can be a career. And some of the, a lot of them become very successful and, and they love it. That's a passion. You have to be obsessive with what you're doing to take it to where they are. But at the same time, the average American uh, or just person in general, you know, being a mom is a very important job or, you know, going to work, you know, being the, the banker or whatever your job is, those are your priorities where, you know, being a bodybuilder, that's their whole life where, you know, if I've got three kids and I go to a job every day, that's not going to be my goal. My goal is going to be able to just be able to maintain a healthy body and be able to, you know, get up, go to work, have the energy, take the kids to school. So again, everyone's priorities are a little different. You've got to be able to find something that works with your lifestyle. And that's really important where, you know, that mother of three that has a job might not want to be a bodybuilding competitive person, but they might be able to find a female, for example, what I like to try to be as a role model is just someone that owns my own business. I get to work out once a day. I've got two dogs. I've got, you know, family and a significant other to take care of. Um, I can have a life and do all these things and be able to maintain a healthy, lean state without having to go to that extreme. Yeah. So I think one other part that I thought you touched upon is that nutrition and science keeps evolving. I mean, that's the definition of science. You keep running more experiments, collect more evidence, and you get more and more refined idea of what is optimal. And I think there's definitely, I would say, a trend towards truth where it's very clear that overconsumption of refined carbohydrate is not good for longevity, right? Like don't start pounding, you know, two liter bottles of soda to your face. Um, so I'm curious to hear from your perspective, what are some of the things that you've gravitated towards? I hinted at the beginning of the conversation around some of the sub-communities within keto, you know, discussions between more of a carnivorous keto-based diet versus the vegan diet. There's been a recent big movie, The, the Game Changers, a lot of people in the nutrition community have been talking about. Uh, curious to open that can of worms and dive into a discussion there. Any initial thoughts? So I think that when it comes to diet, 
it's all about trial and error. And I, again, have grown confidence through doing like these little challenges over social media, whether it's like maybe like an egg fast or a carnivore challenge. I've also done like a, a single ingredient challenge where, you know, it can't be, it can't come out of a box or a bag because those are multiple ingredients. Um, so being able to do all these challenges, I've been able to see how my own body responds to things. Uh, so when it comes to the carnivore diet, I love it. I think it's fantastic. And honestly, I never thought cutting out greens would work for me, but I never felt leaner. My energy completely spiked out of the roof. I was able to drop a couple pounds, which is pretty big because I'm already pretty lean. Uh, so that was so that was pretty fun for me. And I don't count calories. I don't really restrict. I'm very intuitive. I eat when I'm hungry. I skip if I'm not. So I came out of a carnivore challenge and I loved it. And I, I think that if anyone has any GI issues, um, like autoimmune diseases, things like that, from what I've read up on, I think that that's great for that. How long was the challenge? The carnivore challenge was only, I, I believe, 10 days, which was pretty simple. Um, so a lot of like ribeye steaks, some like, whoa. Oh, all day. <laughs> I love my ribeye steaks, lots of eggs. Um, but yeah, mostly just animal proteins, uh, for me. And I threw on some oils and butters, uh, and, and when you're only doing something for 10 days like that, I'm not worried about getting like into the organ meats and stuff that to me is a little too much. So I don't go true carnivore. Um, but when, when it comes to vegetables, I think vegetables are important. Um, I don't think they're completely necessary. And again, this is just from my own experience and trial and error with my own diet. Um, I think they're great for volume. I think that they are they are great for for your gut, but I don't think completely cutting out proteins is the answer. Now, I know the game changer recently came out and a lot of people have been asking me about it. So I had to watch it, of course. I think that it's pretty biased. I mean, they kept talking about animal proteins and and how meats are manly and but they kept showing like hamburgers. That's I mean, if you keep showing hamburgers and sandwiches and these really awful processed foods, anyone would not feel great eating that every single day. And unfortunately, that's ingrained into the standard American diet is very processed, quick, easy food. And I know that they, for example, showed a group of firemen that they decided to take from their normal standard American diet and put them on vegetables. Um, I think that's not a very great study because if you make any kind of improvements like that, of course, they're going to see healthy benefits because you're taking them off all the refined sugars, the junk, the process, the chemicals, the fillers. Anyone's going to see improvement with that. So I would definitely like to see way more long-term controlled studies. Uh, and also from my understanding with documentaries, you they don't have to put forward their studies because it's only a documentary. So the people behind filming it if you really look into any of their connections, they have connections with a lot of vegan companies or plant-based products that they personally sell and have investments in. So yes, I think vegetables are positive. I think they're great. Uh, but I also understand that being able to get your nutrients from plants can be a little bit more difficult. Plants don't want to be eaten. They're, there's phytonutrients in them. So if I eat a steak, there's more bioavailable nutrients available that my body is going to absorb than eating plants, which... Um, You've got to be eating the right ones to get the right amounts of nutrients. And I think it's if you if you really want to go vegan, you can. You just have to make sure that you're eating the right kinds of foods. Yeah, I think it's like an interesting moral ethical question. And I think a lot of people are trying to use that as an anchor to spin the science and the data to justify a moral 
argument around it. I think that's the most interesting part of the question to me. I think the health side, the ancestral evolution of humans, like we were clearly consumed meat as we evolved, if not primarily, you know, being able to access high fat diets, you know, very bioavailable, dense proteins allowed us to grow big brains and, and all of the stuff that that you, you look at the data for Neanderthals and, and early humans. Like if you look at their uh, nitrogen ratios, like it clearly showed high uh, meat consumption as we evolved from lower apes. So I think the data and the science around health and performance is pretty clear. I would concede that there's an interesting moral discussion. You, you know, is it okay to enslave animals and eat them and I think one could have like a reasonable argument there but I, I wouldn't have anything to disagree with what you said in terms of you know, look I think it's possible to eat vegan healthy but I mean that opens up a can of worms it's very hard to supplement and, and eat the right amounts of plant material to like get to a healthy state I mean when you work with different clients, have you tried like a vegan keto diet in terms of one of the challenges that's been something that I've been kind of curious to try myself I've done four six-week cycles of carnivore and I had a very similar experience to you very enjoyable but kind of hard to maintain on a normal basis if you just only ordering like ribeye steaks but I'm curious have you thought about trying a vegan keto cycle or gotten plant-based for a period that's also a few questions that were raised uh just again with because they did a lot of you know the athletes and their performance levels in the game changer and I'm pretty sure most of them didn't start off vegan before becoming an athlete. They were all athletic and were able to improve their performance once making those diet changes. So again, I'd like to see more long-term studies with that. But so my significant other is a huge bodybuilder, very classic, very low fat kind of diet, but we watched it together and he would like to try doing vegan for two weeks. I'm just so against it. (laughs) I just, I love my proteins just with how I feel so lean, so healthy, my energy levels are up. I don't really want to mess with that. Now, am I willing to try it? Yes. But I've also noticed that when I eat more vegetables, I do bloat a little bit more. I'm a little bit more sensitive to things. Um, and I, I, my body just doesn't feel like it's operating as well when there's more vegetables included. And am I willing to try it? I'm willing to try it because I feel like you can't say no to something without at least understanding it. So I'd be willing to, not really, <laughs> not not very encouraged by it, but I think that trying it's the best way to understand it. Yeah, it's pretty open mind in terms of experimentation, right? One of the things that I think is adjacent to keto is time restricted feeding or intermittent fasting. Curious to hear your experience, your perspective on some of the adjacent nutritional strategies that sort of double down on the metabolic changes that happens with the keto diet. With intermittent fasting, uh, I think it's so natural. And I know that it's such a great weight loss tool for a lot of the clients. And it's, again, like my motto is eat if you're hungry and skip if you're not. And as soon as, you know, they're usually like two, three weeks into it, they're like, wow, I'm really not hungry in the morning. That's amazing. That's a great sign. Let's slowly start pushing that breakfast back. Um, So they're starting to eat later in the day, or maybe they, you know, they stop eating a little bit earlier in the day before bedtime. So I think it's a very natural process once your body is one fat adapted, uh, but also just getting a higher nutrient density diet plan overall, you know, your body is getting exactly what it needs. So rather than having all these cravings, cause you're not giving it what the body is asking for. Again, most people in the standard American diet have lost touch with that. And they just kind of shove whatever they're in the mood for down their throat. When you're eating better quality foods, your body's able to perform better because it's got everything that it's needed. Um, 
So I think when it comes to intermittent fasting, again, it's natural. Uh, I highly encourage it. Um, I still think you need to get your calories in just because you shorten that window. doesn't mean you only need a thousand calories a day. If you're going to, if you're going to go down to two meals, which is something that I do, uh, I still get my 1800 to 2000 calories in, uh, when it comes to some people like to do the whole OMAD I've, I've done it every once in a while, but I think I just love food. I just want to eat. <laughs> I just like to eat. And again, I think that's why keto is so good for me is because I love food. I love the taste of it. I love eating. I enjoy it. So because I have such a positive relationship with food, the keto diet does so well for me because I know I like to eat. And uh, so I usually do two meals a day. I try not to snack. I usually do sometimes, but um, again, like when you get to snack on good jerkies or nuts, for example, I'm a huge nuts fan. Um, it, it's all high quality foods and it doesn't bother me that I get to be able to enjoy myself and not really stress out about how that food's going to affect me. Cause I know it's very healthy. Yeah. I think if you just break down how people segment their food, right, it's caloric restriction, it's dietary restriction, meaning you cut out certain types of foods or just time restriction. And I think you bring up a good point, which is that you don't want to be accidentally doing like all three if you're not meaning to do it. Meaning that if you're reducing the amount of time you're eating, don't accidentally just eat a thousand calories. Like make sure you get your full 2000 or 1800 in your case. But for other people, maybe that's like 2,500 calories. So actually do what you're intending to do and not just accidentally kind of hit all three, all kind of messy at the same time. And we shouldn't be afraid of food. And I think that's where it's come down where like one, people don't understand what they're reading on the labels. I think there's such a lack of education about how food interacts with our bodies. We've just been told if you eat 100, you know, if you eat 2,000 calories and you need to be in a deficit, cut 100 off or something like that. I think that we need to throw that completely out the door. And again, just focus on the quality of your foods and listen to your body. If you're hungry, then you do need to eat. If you're not hungry, maybe it's it's stress, it's boredom. Um, maybe there's other factors that are coming into the comfort of having food around, but it's really understanding why we need food and how it interacts with our bodies. Yep. So moving on to the training side, I think when we talk to performance athletes, whether these are powerlifting athletes or endurance athletes, one of the, I would say, more popular concepts recently is this notion of periodization or cycling of diets to different types of exercise, right? So you can imagine that at the beginning of a season, you might do a lot of fast workouts, and then as you're going up closer to, uh, you know, competition, you might be introducing more carbohydrates uh, before the competition. So curious to hear if you've thought about, you know, different ways of periodizing your food and training for different goals. I'm sure when you're, you know, performing or competing before a bodybuilding competition, you're doing a very different protocol than your maintenance state. So as long as I've been doing this, I've actually never competed. Uh, I, I, again, I, health is my overall goal. And it's the point where I kind of want to be able to preach you can be healthy without being so dramatic about where you take it. Um, you can have a positive relationship with food, you can have a positive relationship with yourself. And that again, that's my overall goal to teach to clients. And I've always had that little itch to want to step on stage, but I've never done it. So I recently did a 12 week prep program. And my goal was to be completely keto. I don't really care to have carbs being keto for three, you know, three years into it. If I have carbs, yes, my workout's really great the next day in the lower rep range. I can, I can lift a lot of heavy weights. Um, but my endurance is down. I actually, I feel hungover. My body just is kind of like, why did you give me this? So going into a prep, I specifically asked, I did hire a coach and I asked for 
complete keto program only. That's it. And in 12 weeks, my body made some major changes. It wasn't a huge drop in weight. I, I mean, I lost nine pounds, which I guess that would be really pretty big for someone of my size, but, um, physically the changes that my body made, the appearance changes that it made in the waistline and whatnot were fantastic. So I never lost strength, even the nine pounds and weight drop. I never lost strength. I was able to lift as much, if not more than when I, when I started, um, I actually felt higher levels of energy. And every once in a while I do test my ketones. Um, you know, if you're in ketosis or not, you know, if you feel that extra energy and you don't got to take the nap, you know, if you're there, I remember a few different days, I was like, what did I eat? I literally feel like I just took so much sugar. That's how much energy I had. And I started testing my ketones and my ketone levels were more than doubled what they normally are. I usually sit between like 0.8 and maybe like 1.3, 1.4. I just, my levels just don't go much higher than that. And all of a sudden I was in like 2.4, 2.6 range. I was like, what's going on? So again, I looked at it as another experiment of what can I take away from how to meal prep? And I learned uh, one, how to save time by having consistency with my meals and learning how my body responds to it. We did work with a little bit of a caloric deficit, but not much. We only dropped my calories uh, down a couple hundred. But again, it was it was more focusing on strength. Uh, my physical appearance was making changes, so I didn't need to change my caloric intake uh, because I was burning off the calories and igniting all those hormones through my training. Um, but I never felt the need to include carbs. Uh, just because of the few times that I ever have included carbs because of social outings, things like that, my performance levels have completely taken a hit for the next 24 to 48 hours. And I'd rather just not do that. I think that's an interesting caveat to, f- to flag for our listeners, where if you are so keto adapted, you actually downregulate your ability to process glucose. So it's like this inversion where I think most Americans on the standard American diet are just like very, very glycolytic driven. So they really are poor at fat oxidation or fat burning. And it sounds like you've really shifted your metabolism so much on the fat side where it's kind of difficult or it takes some readaptation back to be able to burn off glucose. So it's like kind of this inverse, uh, I guess, glucose adaptation that you're kind of feeling backwards. Mm -hmm. And again, with my significant other being a bodybuilder, being on a carb diet, you know, in the morning I get to go train fasted and I feel fantastic. He's got to get his food in. Otherwise he feels like it's his workout takes a hit. And then as soon as his training's over, he's like shaky. He's like, I need to get food in. And I'm just, I'm fine. I don't need to eat. I feel fantastic. I could go a couple more hours. Uh, food doesn't drive my schedule. I don't have to worry about when to eat, when to get my meals in, carry my meals with me because being fat adapted, I'm completely tapped into this like somewhat like almost unlimited reserve energy. And I feel like it's super fuel. So it's, it's completely been able to allow me to dictate what I'm doing for the day rather than worry about when I'm going to eat and get my next meal in. So it's great to be able to feel way more in control of what I'm doing than focusing on food. When we have a lot of folks on the program, I think that usually like they get their partner to be on the ketogenic diet, it sounds like this is actually kind of an interesting situation where you guys are eating pretty much completely different things always. Like, how does that work? Any practical tips? Have you tried to get him to try keto or vice? I'm just curious to hear about that dynamic. He's probably putting earplugs in at this point because of how much I talk about keto, but uh, he's been in the bodybuilding world for 15 some years. So 
he knows exactly what to do at this point to dial in, to be literally stage ready within a few weeks. Uh, neither of us believe in putting in a whole bunch of weight to bulk and to gain muscle. He believes in continuing to maintain a lean body, work hard. It's all about the right foods. But um, I personally do notice a lot of little flags. Like uh, he does have to take naps all the time. He's he's physically exhausted. I'm worried about his thyroid. I'm worried about his adrenal glands. He's got a very stressful job. Um, I know he doesn't really get any kind of fats in, uh, which being on the keto diet just stresses me out watching him. So I try to like sneak them in every once in a while when I can. I've also just noticed that, you know, he's got a lot of inflammation. He's got injuries. Uh, he's all, he's always physically hurting. Um, I've preached and asked him to try keto so many times, but I think that when you've done something for so long, 15 years, he's been in bodybuilding and he's gotten it down he's worried about making that transition and maybe losing the muscle mass. For him, it's the unknown. Even though he sees how well I'm doing it, I think it turns his wheels. But right now, bodybuilding, that's his image. That's what he does. And hopefully I can find some people that are in the bodybuilding world that are just as big as him that might be keto. That's my problem is finding those kind of people on the diet or the big bodybuilders that do no carb, low carb lifestyles and are able to maintain their muscle mass. But I think one day, cause he knows that he cannot continue to be so drastic with his diet and training, uh, in long-term be able to sustain that. I think he knows he's got to make changes. It's just one. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it goes back to the earlier point around if you're such at a high level of performance, then that is your career. That is your livelihood. That is how, you know, you be able to survive. And it's, it's like, what is the trade-off there versus overall longevity or health span? One of the things that folks might be looking at when they're entering a keto diet, especially when they're thinking about training, are different types of supplements, whether that's MCT oils or exogenous ketones. Can you tell us a little bit of your thoughts or experience around those types of supplements or th those types of products? Beginning with my bodybuilding journey, uh, I picked up kind of any products that were at the gym, like this one looks good or this one's on sale. I had no idea the impact of how supplements can really help with your performance levels or uh, you know how important the ingredients are. And that's it's something I've really come to learn and start looking into. Most of these companies with like mass production, I mean, they've got the proprietary blends or um, you don't exactly know what you're getting. And I'll even read those ingredients labels and I have no idea what half of it is. And if I, and that's, that's my rule of thumb with my food. If I don't know what it is, I shouldn't eat it. And I feel like that should also apply to my supplements. Uh, so when it comes to my supplements, the two major ones that I do take are HVMNs, MCT oil powders, and their collagen, because you guys are so transparent with what's in it, your labels, uh, the quality is absolutely fantastic. The taste is unbelievable. So the fact that you guys have put out such an amazing product, it's it's something that I include in my everyday life because I believe in it and I can trust it. And that's just something I can't do with a lot of companies out there. I know that companies are getting so smart with their marketing, whether it is the food or the supplements. It's hard to tell what's keto, what's not keto. Is it going to spike your insulin? Is it going to keep your insulin low? Um, I, I feel like marketing has just kind of been very deceitful. And with HVMN, I don't have to worry about that. So I've really incorporated them into my everyday life. Well, thank you. Um, and then I'm curious to hear about the ketone esterics. I think a lot of the performance 
has been focused on endurance performance, and that's where the clinical research has been. But it's been interesting to hear some of the feedback with USA Weightlifting. I'm curious to hear about your experience there. I've seen you post some stories about that. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Most of the time that I use the ketone ester is after a... I don't want to call it a refeed or, or I guess cheat meal, but when I do have carbs, because I know that my performance is going to go down in the gym the next day. So the fact that I can take the ketone ester, put myself into ketosis and run off those sugars for my, for weightlifting, um, my performance, yes, the endurance is a little bit down compared to being completely in deep ketosis on my own, but I'm able to get through the gym, power through my training, and then not feel as sluggish and as as like my carb hangover, as I as, as I say. I feel like that ester really helps me push through and not feel as depleted. So I definitely see a huge improvements for the following day after carbohydrates. And there's a few times that I do use it when I am in ketosis and I've done it, whether it's like Muay Thai or just those really high endurance training sessions. And I am just like, go, go, go. I've, I've never felt better. So I absolutely see improvements. And I think that's so cool that I can use it being fat adapted or not. That's just just such a cool product. One of the questions I always like to kind of end our conversations with is if you had infinite resources and test subjects, or even just experiments on yourself, what experiment would you like to run? What scientific question would you like to answer? I know everything's so scientific now. I honestly feel like if I could do anything, it would be kind of to get rid of all of that, to just, (laughs) to get back to the basics, stop putting labels on things, stop creating bias towards one way or the other and just get back to intuition, get back to the basics, um, get back to things that we need versus what we enjoy or what we're in the mood for. So I'd really like if anything, if anyone can learn something from the keto diet, it's to really just be more intuitive and, and understand their body and what it, what it needs rather than looking for the information or the why or how it worked for somebody else. They need to do trial and error with their own body and diet and just and see what makes them feel happy and find the best results. Well said. I think a lot of us don't just pay attention to ourselves anymore. I think there's like we're too caught up in the game of capitalism and you're focusing your job and whatnot. And you just like lose touch with like what actually makes you feel good. And I think even just like thinking about it and trying to pay attention to it, I think helps open up this door. Because I think, again, for me personally, I thought like all this kind of intuition stuff was like unscientific or kind of pseudoscience-y, but there's something with just, you know, our brains are just synthesizing so much information that not, might not necessarily be quantitative, but there's some data processing happening there that just like unknown to, to science yet. And I think there's something there. Maybe we can measure that at some point, but before we can fully quantify all the different inputs going to the human system, there's something valuable to tune towards with just like the intuition of ourselves. So I think that's something that I think maybe folks are too focused on quantitative numbers are, are kind of missing. Absolutely. And, and if, if there was something that I would love to see with science, I would just love to see the long-term studies of, of people doing true keto or at least some kind of modified version and just to see their longevity and, you know, living a healthier lifespan rather than just, um, you know, the short, the short term fad diets that people go through where they, you know, they do it for a little bit and that's it. They feel good where, you know, I've been doing it for three years. I'm going to be doing it for the next 10, the next 20. I would love to see how science is able to, you know, 
start realizing or at least start putting out the information of why people should continue with it. I mean, that's well said. I think the, these studies don't exist for any diet, right? Like no one's on a randomized controlled trial for the standard American diet either. And I think the big, the hard part is that it's so expensive. And so the time spans are so long, right? Are, are people really going to be tracking someone for 50 years? But I think that's why we have these debates and around fad diets. I think there is evidence and bodies of work that suggest different paths, but is there a gold standard randomized controlled trial over 50 years for any specific diet? And it's not really, it doesn't, doesn't really exist, right? You have associational or epidemiology studies at best, which, you know, we can have another conversation about like how kind of spurious those studies can be. Um, cool. So as we wrap up here, like where do folks follow you? So you're on social media, you, you're you on Instagram. What are the exciting projects you have coming up? Like where do people follow along? So most of my posting is in, is Instagram. I feel like that's where I'm able to get my most reach and most engagement and, and that's my goal is to be able to reach out to as many people as possible to get to know them, get to know their stories and kind of just help spread that that inspiration and help them become their own inspiration in their stories. So uh, you can find me mostly on Instagram at Keto with Crystal. Um, and I will be putting all of my updates on there. I also have my own website, Keto with Crystal.com and any of my favorite products, uh, my blogs up there, anything that is I think is beneficial to my life and something that my followers may love. I also put up there, but we've got some really big things coming up where I'm launching with my partner, a new company coming up end of November into December. It's going to be uh, something that everyone can use for their meals or their meal prep. And uh, we haven't, we haven't announced it yet, but it'll, it'll be out there. We'll start putting little teasers out within the next couple of weeks. Cool. Excited to see when that launches. Awesome. Really fun conversation, Crystal. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. If you're interested to learn more about HVMN, visit www.hvmn.com slash pod. Thank you for tuning in.